as you might know, our youngest, two and a half years old, Emily, is at the point where she wants to do everything her two older brothers can do. So, if they're climbing in the kitchen to try and find the chocolate that has been stashed in the very place that we think no one's going to find it, she'll just pull up a chair and she will do the same exact thing. So on Thursday, on Valentine's Day, when I went to pick her up from daycare, at the very end of the day, 5.30, people, I'm famished at this point. You can imagine how hungry a two-year-old is. So as I'm bringing her up, I tell her to put her jacket on. And now she's also carrying her Valentine bag. And you know what's in the Valentine bag, right? And she knows what's in the Valentine bag. There are all kinds of treats, candies and chocolates and all kinds of yummy things. And she is probably dying of hunger at this point. And so she is not able to hear any of the things that I'm saying to her. She can't hear that once she gets her jacket on, she can have a snack in the car. And so she loses it. She goes into like all out meltdown mode, people, meltdown mode, people. So she just starts crying and screaming. And then the flail, she lays out on the floor, starts kicking her feet in front of everyone to see. So I did what I thought any other parent would do. I picked her up, went outside, put her in the car, strapped her in, handed her a snack, kissed her, and we headed home because you could tell she was hungry. So I fed her as soon as we could as we got home, and then she went right to bed. And she fell asleep instantaneously. And then, then it happened. I received an email about Emily's behavior. Can you even imagine that? First of all, all of her behavior and her reaction was a response of her basic needs not being met. Being hungry and tired is not a pretty picture, people. And second of all, what is so bad about teaching your children to become assertive and independent and to be able to know what they want in life? How is that bad? <laughs> and then my husband said to me, it sounded like someone else he knew. And then I realized. I realized that all of those things only become bad if you forget that the world doesn't revolve around you. They only become bad if you forget that you need to live with and work with and play with and listen to the people around. So, believe it or not, this actually gets us to our gospel for today, where Jesus paints a drastically different picture, a drastically different picture of what God is going to bring to completion, of what Jesus has already begun, of an entirely different way of living, 
of a different way of being in relationship, of a different way of experiencing blessings in our life that run deep and that last forever. This is the hope part of Jesus's message. So what is it that you are looking for right now in your life? What is it that you hope to hear from Jesus? What is it that you long for? What area of your life, whether physical or emotional or spiritual, maybe all of the above, are longing, are praying to experience healing? Those who are gathered around Jesus this day, all of the people who gathered in that level place, on the plain, not on the mountaintop, where they had the view of everything around and maybe could see what was yet to come and see what lieth in front of them. But the very people who were on level ground, who could only see the immediate setting and circumstances around them. They gathered around Jesus for many of the same reasons that you and I are gathered here today. They wanted to hear from this Jesus. They longed for healing in their life. They came hoping to have the voices in their head silenced. And they wanted to draw close to Jesus. Because they knew that the power of his touch on their lives would change them for the better. And so here's what Jesus says. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who are ridiculed and humiliated and reviled for having an association with me. And woe. Woe to you. And we think to ourselves, Jesus has this backwards, doesn't he? He must have gotten this all wrong. Right? The woes are directed toward the very situations in life that we characterize as blessings from God. Surely, Wealth and prosperity, security and financial independence, having a table filled with food, healthy to eat, surely having the opportunities to laugh and enjoy the people that you're with, the time and the freedom to be able to do what you want, to be able to get to a point where you rise in life and people can look at the things that you have done and accomplished, and they tell you how great you are. Surely these things are blessings from God, aren't they? Jesus can't possibly be telling us to become poor, to become hungry, to become like those crazy people, those religious fanatics that no one listens to anyway. Is he? This is a hard passage. And I think it's harder to deal with than Matthew's version, too. 
But through Jesus' words, we don't think they're meant to shame us or judge us or put us down. I think Jesus really does use these words to try and speak hope, but challenge us too. I think that Jesus is trying to help us to see that these woes become our detriment when we forget that the world doesn't revolve around us. The woes become our detriment when we fail to see that we need to live with and work with and play with and listen to the people around us. Even when they say things that we don't want to hear. I think Jesus uses these woes to help us to see something much greater and larger than ourselves, to help us to see what our role is in this vision that God paints before us, to help us to see what our role is in making the kingdom a little bit closer to the reality that God envisions for our world, and thereby be about doing what God wants us to do. Let me ask you this. How have you heard hope in your life? What have been those times in your life where you have experienced a word, a feeling, a message of hope? In my own life, and as I look at the people around, I realize that oftentimes hope comes when people are in the most difficult, challenging, painful of places. And hope takes a lot of different forms, but sometimes it comes in the ways in which people are able to speak. Though you go through this now, though this is hard right now, it's not gonna last forever. And that becomes this little glimmer that God's not going to just leave you in the midst of that pain, but is going to keep on taking you by the hand to move you forward. Sometimes hope comes when it feels as if you don't fit, as if you don't belong, as if you have no value and worth, as you have nothing good to share. And someone out of the blue comes up to you and they thank you. Or they say, hey, I've got a spot right here for you. And they remind you that you do belong. And that you do matter. And that your voice needs to be heard. And that you are a gift. And sometimes hope comes when life's weights and burdens begin to pile up. And you feel as if you have to do it all yourself. And someone takes you aside and says, hey, you don't have to do this alone. You can reach out to God. You can reach out to these people who walk along with you. And in all of those moments, that hope becomes so powerful and so profound. It gives you new perspective. It gives you the ability to see what you couldn't when you only saw the situation around you. What does hope look like in your life? Now think about 
the times in which you have experienced challenge. I know for sure that some of the times in which I have experienced challenge have been when someone has pulled me aside, someone who knows me well, someone who is able to kind of see that I am going off into a different direction, a direction of my own. And they're able to say, hey, you got to see this. This isn't good for you. You're not growing in this way. you got to do this instead. This is what you are needed for. And a lot of times in those situations, when I hear that word that I don't want to hear, you know what my response is? I don't have to listen to you. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Because a word of challenge is not one that we resonate with. We don't want to hear it. Because, of course, it requires us to do that hard work, to deal with something that we might not want to deal with right then. But again, words of challenge don't leave us in the place they find us. And so we only deal with something, we only get through something if we're able to hear and recognize. Sometimes the words that push us. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to do here through all of these woes. I think he's trying to push us and challenge us so that we don't become the people that think that the world revolves around us. That we become so focused on our own needs and wants and desires that we forget to see the people around us. That we forget to see what actually blesses our lives. The material things, the statuses that we have, we enjoy those in the moment, but they don't last forever, people. Instead, when we see that we are a part of something, a part of a community, a part of a family, a part of this kingdom that God is creating and shaping, then we don't just see ourselves and our own needs and our wants. We're suddenly able to see that of the people around us, too. And we're able to hear more clearly when they speak a word of hope to us when we need to hear it. And we're better able to see the times in which we can share that hope with them. Because we're more in tune with the challenges that they are facing. With the needs that are so great in their lives. We can hear again of how important we are, of how much we belong and matter, and that the, whatever we face right here and now, how difficult it might be, it won't last forever. We're able to see through all of that. We're able to see how we are part of something so much bigger. So where do we start? Well, we probably have to start by eating a good meal. <laughs> Because it comes down to the most basic of human needs, people. And so when we eat a meal that fills us and that reminds us of who we are and that reminds us that we are loved and that we are forgiven even when we can't be reasoned with, we are able to be sent out 
to do the work that God wants us to do. To be people who are filled with purpose and blessing beyond measure. And then from there, maybe what we work toward goes in a little different direction than all of the things that we have been taught to prioritize in our lives. So that what we seek are the ways in which we can share of the things we have and the gift that we are in order to bless the lives of others. And in so doing, become like trees planted by the water, able to grow and bear fruit with roots deep and outstanding, extending, being able to live fully, not withering in fear or melting down by the heat of life's disappointments and challenges. For we are in touch with what God wants for us and for our world. Amen.